It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Greetings, my friends. How are you today? Whatever day you're listening to the show, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're listening live here on 92.7 WOBM, it's 6 a.m. Sunday morning, and uh, I want to thank Everyone who's listening right now got up this early to listen. Some of you would send me emails and say, I get up early and make sure I listen to your whole show. So I really do appreciate that sacrifice that you make um, coming uh, getting up early and uh, listening to the program. But the podcast is always available to the show. It goes up right after the show is over. So uh, although I do thank you for getting up early, uh, the podcast probably is the way to go. But most of you do listen to the podcast. And uh, no matter what time, no matter what day, thank you for joining us for today's edition of The Financial Physician, where we talk money, markets, politics. If you are listening live, you want to be part of the program, the call number here is 732-237-9626. Good morning, Paul. How are you today? Good morning, Lou. You're always so chipper in Sunday morning. I guess you don't really have a nightlife, do you, on Saturday? Well, no. No, not at all. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm here at 4 o'clock, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 4 o'clock. Jesus. Um, uh that's why, you know, Jim, the previous producer I had here, is 27. He had a little bit different life than we have. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> at the advanced yes. age that we both are. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I don't go out late on Saturday. I mean, not because of the show. I just don't. I'm an old fogey. You know, I'm, I have dinner, I watch TV, and go to bed. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, it's uh, we're here, we're chipper, we're ready to go. Got a lot of things to talk about today uh, on the financial position. All right, so let's start off talking about uh, a time now where we're officially in a recession, regardless of what the administration wants to tell you. I mean, it brought to your attention last week, they're redefining what a recession is. And they've been saying and saying and saying that, you know, look, you can't really have a recession unless you have a significant loss of jobs. And on Friday, uh, the July jobs report was announced, and it was stunning. Stunning to the point of being unbelievable. And we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, economists expected that um, we would see about 250,000 jobs created, which is really not a big number. It's uh it's okay, but it, it's it's not great. Uh, but what was announced was a whopping 528,000 jobs were created in July. More than double what's expected. Now, this had me and many other people uh, that follow these things scratching our heads. Now, wait a second. How can we be in a recession? We got companies uh, laying off thousands of people in mass. And how do we have this wonderful jobs report? Doesn't make any sense, right? It doesn't make any sense, which means that it is senseless. I do not trust any economic figure coming out of this government between now and the midterms. Don't believe it. 
You know, because their, their narrative is, oh, no, the economy's strong. We're not in recession. Forget the two GDP quarters that are negative, and the third's going to be negative, too. It's, everything's wonderful. So if they lie to you enough, you'll believe it. So, I mean, a lot of people are scratching their heads on this. And I, I as soon as I heard this, I said, this is bull. Uh, where, where, where does this, uh, who puts out this information? The Bureau of Labor Statistics, right? Uh, a government agency. Now, uh, this number is so subjective, and I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, I call it the Bureau of Lying Statistics because I don't believe anything they say. And months later, they adjust these figures down. You know, uh, like like six months later, they'll say, oh, we, we, we miscounted. So there's things that you got to understand about the jobs report. First of all, it is the establishment number, okay? This comes through a certain set of statistics at the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And then you have what's called the household survey, where they actually call people's houses and ask them, are you employed? Did you lose your job? Did you get a job? And for the fourth month in a row, the household survey came in far worse than the establishment survey because those are real numbers. So you can't mess around with those kind of statistics. I guess you can, but it's it's not as easy uh, as messing around with the establishment survey because you add seasonal adjustments, you add the birth death model. Um, so if you look at the household survey, you have a much more modest 179,000 jobs created. I mean, you know, 300,000 less than the headline report. And in the last four months, what we've seen is we've seen in the establishment survey what the Bureau of Labor Statistics put out, you know, it shows something like, you know, a million two hundred thousand jobs were created. Uh, and in the household survey, it has jobs lost. <laughs> so so something isn't right here. Something smells. Uh, and, uh, and people are trying to figure out what it is. It, 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 it's just typical government lying. Especially this government, this administration. They'll tell you there's no inflation. Uh, they'll redefine what a woman is. Uh, they'll redefine what a recession is. Uh, everything's fine. So Orwellian. But if you look at the labor participation rate, that declined from 62.2 to 62.1%. As the number of people in the job market, either working or looking for work, declined again last month. Well, how can that happen if over half a million uh, jobs were created? See, none of this stuff goes together. And I don't think we've had such a difference between the household survey uh, and the establishment survey. So this is kind of a joke. So what did the administration do? They came out, see, see, look how good the job market is. We're not in a recession. And I've questioned the Bureau of Labor Statistics for years. And most government numbers for that matter. So what's the birth-death model? The birth-death model is one of the ways they screw around with this uh, establishment survey is they estimate how many businesses closed, died, and how many business new businesses were established, birthed. And that's called the birth-death model. Well, they're saying that because of the birth-death model, 
309,000 of these 528,000 jobs were created by the birth death model, which there is no statistics whatsoever to back that up. They just make that number up. And that's how they just engineer the number that they want. And they wanted a big number. They got the call from Biden administration. Help us out here. Uh, And sure enough, that number came out. It's so incredible. I mean, incredible. (laughs) Uh, Not credible is really what I should say. So uh, markets didn't like it. Oh, if the economy is so good, uh, the Fed is going to have to continue to raise interest rates, which is negative for bonds and mortgages and, and everything else. And the stock market went down. Well, it, it ended mixed, but in the morning it was down pretty hard. Bond yields are up. The bond uh, market, the yield curve inverted further, indicating a recession is either here or on the way, regardless of what the administration says. Um, if you take into consideration, um, people have given up looking for a job, they're not considered unemployed. People who'd rather have a job, but stop looking because they're discouraged and they can't find a job they want. Sure. You can find part-time jobs. And a lot of these jobs created in the last year or so have been part-time jobs. People looking for a second job because they can't afford living on their primary job. Some people have three jobs right now. So these are not hiring new people. These are hiring people ready in the workforce that just need more money. Another thing, you know, how how can you have all these jobs being created um, when, um, when you have companies that are laying off thousands of workers? Here's just a list of some. Ultra tax, laying off 600 workers. Electric truck manufacturer Rivian, laying off 840 workers. 7-Eleven announced 880 corporate jobs they're eliminating. Shopify is laying off 1,000 people. Vimeo is re- eliminating 6% of its current workforce. Redfin, real estate, is going to reduce the size of its workforce by 8%. Compass will be reducing its workforce by 10%. Remax will be do- reducing the size of its workforce by 17%. Robinhood is reducing its size by 23%. Ford is preparing to cut as many as 8,000 jobs in the coming week. Geico has closed every single one of their offices in the state of California with vast numbers of work and losing their jobs. But everything's great. All these jobs are, are, are being created. Okay. If you want to believe that, you probably believe that Joe Biden's a legitimate president, I guess. <laughs> You'll believe anything, I guess. Uh, but it, it, it's comical. It's really starting to get really comical. Um, uh, the lies. Uh, and you'll see that. Now, between now and the midterms, every watch, every, new, every uh, economic number that comes out is going to be better than expected. Listen to me. I'm telling you right now. People who have listened to this show for a long time know I'm mostly right when I say these things. Uh, so uh, just watch. And I'm going to bring it to your attention uh, how this works. I don't think it would make a difference. 
because of a couple of things. New polls show finds voters blame Biden and Democrats for running the economy into the ground. The Biden administration is so afraid of being blamed for the state of the economy that they're trying to redefine the word recession, but it's clearly not working. According to a new poll from Mount Rasmussen, voters blame Joe Biden and the Democrats for the current state of the economy and for running it into the ground which is not a good position for Democrats to find themselves just a few months before the midterms. Uh, Rhino Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said in late July that Democrats inherited an economy that was primed for a historic comeback and promptly ran it straight in the ground. I don't care much for Mitch McConnell, but he's right about that. Out of 1,000 likely voters surveyed between July 28th and 31st, 59% say they agree with McConnell's statement and 35% disagree. And as you might expect, 85% of Republicans at least somewhat agree that Democrats ran the economy straight into the ground, as do a majority of unaffiliated voters, 57%. Even 38% of Democratic voters agree with the quote from McConnell. 62% of Americans believe we're in a recession right now. Even as the White House and its big tech allies attempt to redefine the term. Less than a quarter, 23%, believe the United States economy is not in a recession. Who are these people? And what makes matters worse for, for Democrats right now is inflation and the economy are the top concerns of voters. Nothing else. And the third thing is education and what's happening in the school system and how their children are being indoctrinated. Uh, all uh, not good for Democrats. Uh, check out this survey. Concerned about the economy. When asked, are you concerned about the economy? It rose from 89% to 91%. Well, very, very concerned. It fell from 69 to 66 So 91% of people surveyed are concerned about the economy. And, you know, lying about the economy is only going to make the crash worse. I mean, you can only lie so long and then people realize that, hey, wait a second, I lost my job. I'm losing my house. I'm losing my car. I can't feed my family, but everything's great. And uh, people are really starting to become uh, quite suspect of what's coming out of the mouths of the Biden administration. And and a lot of people um, are experiencing pain right now in the economy. Oh, remember what uh, Pete Buttigieg just said? Yeah, we need to get a little bit of energy pain here because it's good for electric vehicles. (coughs) The misery index is at recession levels. Cost of living is soaring, and new jobless claims are heading up at a rapid pace. Oh, another thing, yeah. The weekly claims for unemployment have been going up steadily and are at the highest level they've been in eight months. But the economy created a massive half of a million jobs. It just doesn't make any sense. The economy's good. Remember I played the, the clip for you last week? Um, White House economic advisor Brian Deese 
said things are great because America isn't experiencing famine like other countries. <laughs> yeah, you can't afford the food, but at least, you know, you can get some. All right, so the misery index, which was a big deal in the 70s and the early 80s, kind of got lost when uh, we had low unemployment and low inflation for a long time. So you take the unemployment rate and you add it to the official CPI inflation rate, and that's the misery index. So as these things go up together, inflation goes up and unemployment rate goes up, yet more misery in the country makes sense. The misery index now, officially, if you believe that unemployment is 3.5%, and if you believe that inflation is only 9.1%, uh, then the misery index has risen to 125 That's the highest level since September 2011, when the U.S. was experiencing a very weak job growth um, following the Great Recession. The, at the time, the yield curve almost inverted and there were fears of a new recession. So June's misery index is also above the index from 2007 to 2009 Great Recession when it peaked at 11.4%. So it's uh, the misery index is going up. Oh, but the economy's great. You know, more miserable people trying to feed their family and keep their house, but everything's good. And we're seeing consumer sentiment plunge. People are fearful. I brought to your attention last week retail sales. Uh, we're seeing people spending more money on things they need and not buying the things that they want, well, the discretionary items. And now Walmart and Target and other stores have a ton of inventory that they can't move, and they're trying to discount it to get rid of it. But at least there's no famine. I was able to have breakfast this morning, so there's no famine. Talk about an Orwellian world that we live in right now. You know, if you say anything that, that is not part of what they want you to say, you are censored. And it's always Republicans and conservatives. It's never the Democrats. They can say whatever they want, regardless of how outrageous and stupid it is. An experienced economist has been fact-checked and corrected by Facebook after he stated that the U.S. is now in a recession. You can't say that. Do you know that? You can't say it. You can't believe your lying eyes. Phil Magnus, a researcher and educator with the American Institute for Economic Research. That's a pretty well-established uh, economic uh, institute. Uh he reacted to the incident by commenting, quote, we live in an Orwellian hellscape. Facebook uses these independent, quote unquote, independent fact checkers at PolitiFact. Now, PolitiFact is a brazenly partisan Democratic operation. Well, they corrected Magnus a post about the Biden administration attempting to change the definition of inflation. So he tweets this out, Phil Magnus, he goes, we live in an Orwellian hellscape. Facebook is now fact-checking anyone who questions the White House word games about the definition of recession. Yeah, he goes on to say, the entire media fact-checking industry is an exercise in politically motivated fraud. The Economist also noted that practically every other country defines recession as two consecutive quarters of negative growth. 
So what Biden and his underlings are doing, I don't know if they're underlings or he's the underling, who knows? Uh, they're gaslighting on a definition of recession, just saying it's not that. And, and bringing people out. It's a transition, remember? It's, it's not a recession anymore. It's a transition. Uh, and that was the word that, that, that everybody um, was using was transition. Meanwhile, we got runaway inflation. And by, oh, by the way, it's double what they say it is, according to John Williams, who figures these things out the way they were figured out back in the 80s and 70s. Um, it's just unbelievable. But again, everything's good. Meanwhile, one of the biggest uh, searches <laughs> on the internet on Google nowadays uh, is sell my home fast. How do I sell my home fast? Oh, by the way, Amazon is going to reduce the size of its workforce by approximately 100,000 workers in just one quarter. <laughs> but there's millions of jobs being created. And uh, we're only at the beginning of these job losses, by the way. I mean, job losses tend to to lag a little bit when you enter a recession. You know, companies worked hard to try to get workers for a long time. But, um, but now, you know, they just can't do it. They can't pay them. So usually they try to hold on as long as they can. And then you have the tsunami of layoffs. And they won't be able to uh, lie about it at that point. All right, tell me, um, tell me if you think um, small businesses are hiring, and small business is the main generation of jobs in America. Look at this headline; this stunned me. Forty-five percent of independent restaurants couldn't pay July rent. Forty-five percent. No, it's not 5%. It's not 10%. It's 45%. And it's not just restaurants. Let's look at, uh, I got a chart in front of me. Restaurants are number two of not being able to pay their rent at 45%. Uh, Number one is transportation. I guess that means uh, trucking. Uh, It means uh, limos and taxis and so forth like that. Almost half of these companies can't pay their rent in July. Restaurants are second at 45%. Nonprofits are 44%. Retail, which is mom and pop stores, 44%. Beauty salons, 40%. Gyms, 38%. Construction, 36%. Automotive, 35%. And the national average of all small business owners is 34%. Couldn't afford their rent in July. I don't think I've ever seen those numbers before. But it's all good. At least we, at least we don't have famine in this country. Now, inflation... Um, is really hurting the lower and middle class. You know, the upper class is the elite in this country. They don't care about inflation because most of them have assets that go up with inflation. They're invested properly. They've made out like bandits and they um, 
they, they, they have ways around inflation. Now, I couldn't believe this. Um, uh, a Fed president. Now, the Federal Reserve has banks all around the country. And uh, the president of the San Francisco Federal Reserve Bank, Mary Daly, she makes 423000 a year. Had all kinds of investments. You remember all these Fed governors were making investments ahead of Fed announcing interest rate changes and things like that. Boy, anybody on Wall Street would love to have the information they had. Uh, and they had no risk trades. Just like uh, people in Congress, Pelosi, all these people. They insider trade all the time. So uh, she had to sell her investments because once the Fed started getting heat, you know, she sold out her her um, her investments. But uh, she really had uh, a really elitist ivory tower statement uh, about inflation, how eh, it doesn't really bother. She's asked about it. Where are you personally seeing the impact of inflation in your own daily life? You know, I have to say that I live, you know, I'm, I don't get the pain of inflation anymore. I see prices rising, but I have enough that I can make substitutions, that I can do things. So I'm not immune to gas prices rising, food prices rising. I sometimes balk at the, the price of things, but I don't find myself in a space where I have to make trade-offs because I have enough. Many, many Americans have enough. All right, so her and her ilk... The elites. Eh, it's not bothering me much. I make adjustments. Sure. If you made $423,000 a year, I think most of us would be able to deal with grocery prices up and gasoline prices up. But the average American makes less than fifty grand. Mary Daly, Miss Ivory Tower. This is uh, the equivalent of the Nancy Pelosi ice cream moment. You remember that? When she had this big refrigerator and she's showing all the ice cream she has, gourmet ice cream. Let them eat cake, though, the people out there, right? I don't feel the pain of inflation anymore. These people have no sympathy for you or me. They don't care. They really don't care about you. They want you to think that they care, but they don't care. Let's take a look at financial markets this week. Um, uh, Markets were pretty tepid uh, up and down during the week. Uh, We've seen a trend since uh, the beginning of July of a market rebound after a disastrous first six months of the year, the worst we've seen in decades. Uh, We're seeing what's not unexpected. um, You know, a bear market bounce is is, is some of the biggest rallies uh, you ever see in the stock market in the midst of a bear market. So the Dow Jones Industrial Average for the week uh, was basically flat, down 0.13% for the week. For the year, still down 9.73%, almost 10%. The S&P 500 was up a third of a percent for the week, still down 13% for the year. And the NASDAQ uh, was the big winner this week, up 2.15%, still down 19.10%. But at, at the worst, it was down 30%, if you recall. But more important than the stock market, we always try to look at the bond market. What's the bond market doing? And times like this, this is the time to really watch the bond market because the bond market tells you a lot of things about the state of the economy, the state of the interest rate market, what's going on. Well, a 10-year Treasury bond now yields 2.83%. Now, if you recall, in uh, July, early July, it was up to 3.25%. So it is down about 40 percent uh, 
40 basis points, you know, almost a half a point from the high, even though the Fed raised interest rates two weeks ago. Uh, but let's take a look at the shorter term bonds. The two-year treasury is at 3.23 versus the 10-year, which is 2.83. So the two-year is much higher than the 10-year. What does that mean? That means that the yield curve has inverted. And when you have an inverted yield curve, it tells you that you either are in inflation or inflation, uh, you are in a recession or you will be shortly. And now the inversion is getting worse. The inversion now is, is, is a half a point. Uh, even the six-month is over 3%, 3.06 compared to the 10-year. So both the six-month, the two-year uh, are higher than the 10-year. Uh, a classical yield curve inversion uh, signaling recession. No matter how the Biden administration wants to define it, it's signaling recession. Uh, let's take a look at gold. Gold had a pretty decent rebound week. I think it was 1792, uh, hit 1800 at one point. Uh, silver also was having a decent rebound from its lows, uh, a little over $20 an ounce. Uh, still suppressed, uh, still way below where they should be based on the inflation we're living in and the, the uncertain financial times. But I expect uh, as the year progresses here, gold and silver are going to take off Um so we'll see what, what goes on with that. But it's just such a weird market that it's hard to predict because it is so manipulated uh, in the paper market that it's not even a real market. But anyway, uh, I was looking at silver. Uh, what is it? $20.35. Uh, the cheapest uh, Silver Eagle one ounce coin I could find uh, was $32. <laughs> so is the price of silver $20 or is it $32? Is the price of silver what it costs to get a paper contract on the COMEX, or is the price of silver what it takes to buy silver? <laughs> I would think it's the price it takes to buy silver, because if I want to buy an ounce of silver today, uh, I have to pay $32. If I want to buy an ounce of gold today, I have to pay $1,905, not $1,792. That goes to show you how the paper market can manipulate the price. And it's the COMEX, that's the spot price. That's the quote that everybody tells you. But then you go to a gold dealer or a silver dealer and you try to buy a coin. And they say, well, $1,905 for a gold coin. You say, wait, I thought it was $1,792. Oh, no, that's not the real market. That's called the premium over spot. Now, the premium over spot in the silver market is 50% plus. I mean, that's that's amazing. Now, the, the gold premium is 6%, but in the silver market, it's 50%. That tells you something. Some good news, I guess, is uh, mortgage rates have dropped below 5% for the first time in, in months. Uh, the average 30-year mortgage is 4.99%, so it's 5% for all intents and purposes. Remember, it was over 6 not too long ago. So that's a good development. Oil prices went down this week, uh, $88.53. Wasn't too long ago, they were at $125 a barrel. Now, wait a second. Um, did the Ukrainian war end? No. So I thought the prices went up because of Putin and his war. Well, the war hasn't ended. Why are prices going down? Well, according to Biden, it's because of all the things him and his administration have done. Like destroy our strategic oil reserve and sell 5 million barrels of it to our enemy, China. 
which we'll talk about later in the program. Uh, I saw gas when I came in this morning, 427 at my local Wawa, going in the right direction. Still double what it was before Biden took present. And Bitcoin's hovering around $23,000. Looks like cryptocurrencies pretty much have found a home here. So I tell you, we got uh, crazy things going on in the economy. We got crazy things going on in Washington. We got Orwellian statements by the by the government. And uh, where we go from here, uh, we'll talk about in future programs. All right, let's take a break. 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name's Lou Scatigna. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Scatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments, and host of The Financial Position. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and decide Discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member FINRA and SIPC. Registered advisory services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. Americans have a deep respect for our military and a deep desire to show them the gratitude that they deserve. When those serving so far away receive a small gift box of personal care items and greetings, they know America is behind them. Always Supporting Our Military is a new nonprofit of retired volunteers that meets weekly to send packages to our troops overseas. They need your help to raise money for postage and for items. Each box of toiletries, snacks, and food takes about $18 to send, and they rely totally on donations. Will you help? They greatly appreciate any donations to the cost of postage or supplies like small bottles of shampoo, lotion, mints, and more. Please visit Always Supporting Our Military on Facebook. Email PASRmilitary at yahoo.com or call 908-278-9561. That's 908-278-9561. Every little bit helps. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, welcome back to the financial physician. Luz Katigna here, certified financial planner and your money doctor. Each and every Sunday live, 6 to uh, 8 a.m. here on 92.7 WOBN or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. It's so easy to listen to the podcast. Uh, it's amazing how many of you, mostly older people, 
just keep telling me, oh, I don't know how to use a computer. I mean, it's not that hard. <laughs> you just go type in on the address, thefinancialphysician.com, and hit the enter button. Up will pop my website homepage and just click on the radio button. And that's it. Put your speakers up and you got the, you got the program. And the good thing about the podcast is you can listen to it in your leisure. You don't have to listen to the whole show two hours at one time. You could listen to parts of it at a time. You could skip through the breaks. If you just join us for part of the program, well, you don't have to listen to that part again. You could skip past it. Um, some of you go to church uh, early, uh, and you only listen to one hour. Oh, no reason not to listen to the second hour. By the way, most people like the second hour better because we talk politics and wokeness and craziness and everything else that we're living through right now. Uh, that's the financialphysician.com. Uh, my email address, uh, I get some great emails from you people out there, really good emails, uh, Lou at the financial physician.com. That's simple enough. Lou, L O U at the financial physician.com. You got a uh, personal finance issue that I could help you with. Those are my favorite emails. If I could point you in the right direction and straighten something out for you, I, I love to do that. If you have a topic that you know, a lot of the topics I cover on this program, you ask me to cover. So I, I, I do the research and I, I, I cover them on the show. Uh, uh, so, uh, or if you just want to comment on the program, that's Lou at the financial physician.com. Love your emails. We get some really clever emails. People send me stuff, you know, all the time. And, uh, I answer uh, each and every email as promptly as I can. And if I don't, I've just missed it. All right? So just email me again. Say second time. So I was mentioning in the first hour, uh, first uh, segment about uh, the unemployment report that came out on Friday and had a lot of economists scratching their heads. And I don't know why. And, and I was watching Fox Business and CNBC. None of them in the mainstream media, you know, Say, you know, this sound looks like a fudge job to me. You know, they just won't say that. You know, they just go along as if the number is real. And the number's not real. But the, they can't say that. You know, they want to keep their jobs. <laughs> you know, you don't go you don't go against the good news for the administration, right? Uh, especially the mainstream. They're just the worst. Uh, so, but it's other economists that I read bloggers and stuff say, wait a second, we weren't afraid to question this stuff. Now, I told you there's two different ways they calculate jobs created. The establishment survey, um, which has a lot of statistical fudging going on, uh, seasonal adjustments, birth-death model, all that stuff I talked about, which really creates tons of jobs that weren't there. Uh, and then you have the household survey, where, you know, they you know, they call thousands of, of homes or people and say, hey, you know, tell us about your job situation. Well, the establishment sur sur survey since March show a gain of 1.68 million jobs. While the household survey shows an employment loss of 168,000. All right. So we're talking about almost two million differential between these two ways of calculating job creation in the United States. Um, according to the household survey, since March, the U.S. has lost 141,000 full-time employees and 78,000 part-time employees. 
uh, in the June's job report, um, there was 71,000 drop in full-time workers uh, and more people with multiple jobs. So, you know, people are having to go out there and uh, take on a part-time job uh, in a grocery store or in a food store or fast food place to deal with this ongoing inflation problem. Again, which was something, again, they redefined, and it was just transitory. It was just temporary. It's just the beginning. Right, let's talk about something different. Let's talk about something that you don't really think about too much. And that's how digital assets now are part of our estate. I mean, when someone dies right now, it's more than just settling a bank account, selling a house, you know, in their stock portfolio and divvying it up. What do you do with all their online accounts from social media uh, to uh, cryptocurrencies uh, to email accounts? How do you deal with that? I mean, the executor has to deal with that. And some people are doing a separate digital estate plan. And they're naming somebody as a digital executor whose job it is just to deal with your online presence. And more and more people are finding this now. What do I do with mom's email account? How do I shut it down? How do I close their Facebook account out? Or do I just leave it? So let's clarify what digital assets are. They include any of the following. Email accounts. Social media accounts. Online banking accounts. Online subscription-based accounts. Now, how many of us have subscriptions with Pandora, with Netflix, with this and that? I don't even know how many subscriptions I have. And that's in the whole other subject. We really should know our our subscriptions because many of us are paying a monthly fee for something we're not using. Now, you're talking about the stress on on people's wallets right now. Uh, Maybe it's a good time for you to take some time and go through all your subscriptions and the way to do it is look through all your credit card statements, your your bank account statement, and see all those $23 that are being debited every month for different things. Even $5 here, $10 there. You'd be surprised how uh, much this adds up. There's an app out, I don't know the name of it, I wish I did, um, that basically can see all your subscriptions and you can manage them that way. But I bet you if some of us had three, $400 a month in subscriptions. So you've got to close all those accounts down because they're going to automatically keep trying to build the, the account. How about e-commerce or marketplace accounts like, like eBay or Amazon? How about photos, family photos saved to the cloud? How do you get them? How do you preserve them? Online chat room accounts, cell phone apps, online dating or gaming accounts. What if they have a a Borgata online gambling account? Maybe there's a few hundred dollars in there. How do you get the money out? How do you close it? Online accounts for utilities. How about loyalty programs like frequent flyer miles and, you know, credit card rewards points? I just found that I had 72,000 American Express points, reward points, 
I was like, oh, wow, yeah, I just let these things build up. Uh, so I got, you know, $250 gift card for Kohl's, and I, you know, I started just starting to spend these. And it's great. These rewards are good. I have a Visa account tied to my 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 um, my bank uh, credit card, and uh, uh, it gives me cash back on everything. Four percent on, on on gasoline. That's a lot these days, right? Uh, so it builds up. I was looking at it the other day. There's three hundred dollars there that I could use to pay off the balance. But what happens when you die? I mean, people have to be able to know that. Any other personal information that you may have stored on a computer or a cell phone or a tablet. So this could be quite the comprehensive list. Now, these are not necessarily considered financial assets, um, but uh, they still are things that have to be dealt with by the executive. So you need to create a digital estate plan. And what you have to do is you need to provide the person you trust to take care of this. It doesn't necessarily have to be the executor of your will. Because not too many people deal with cyber issues and online stuff and digital assets in their will. They don't. It's totally overlooked for the most part. But you could say, okay, my daughter's my executor for my financial estate, uh, but my son is a computer whiz. Right, and I—he's not really good with finances, but sure, he sure knows his way around the computer. So I'm going to make him the digital executor. I'm going to give him a list of every place that I have a digital footprint. I'm going to give him the username and the password. Now, maybe you don't want to give it to him now because you don't want them snooping around, you know, all your accounts. But you could say, "Look, this is where it is." This is where I keep this list, in the safe, in the safe deposit box, in my dresser drawer. And when I, uh, when I check out, you go there and you get that information because you're going to need it. You know how many people, families, just have all these accounts that their mother or father had and they don't have the passwords? What do you do? So you need to have that list. I'm telling you, it's so important. And it'll make life real easy for that. And anything else you think you have out there that's important, like I said, from pictures to videos to maybe you have a blog site that has to be shut down. Also, a lot of these sites have uh, security questions. Where'd you go to high school? What was the name of your first pet? Who was the best man at your wedding? You got to make sure that for each website, each account you have, that you they know what the answers to those security questions is. Because if, if, if they're going to come in on another computer or something like that, it's going to ask them a security question. Or if they don't know the password and it says reset my password, they're going to ask you the security questions. And anybody who's tried to deal with eBay or any of these other things to try to get a, a password situation fixed or to try to shut one of these accounts down, it's a nightmare, for one. Especially if you don't have these information, all that information. Now, it's important to keep your digital estate plan separate from your will for two reasons. Uh, number one, uh, 
once you die, your will becomes public information. And you don't want to have strangers accessing, you know, significant usernames and passwords that, that are part of your will, right? So, you know, you don't want to do that. Uh, but then, you know, it's easier to update your digital estate plan every year as you delete online accounts or you open up new ones versus having to change your, your regular will. But again, you got to appoint a digital executor that knows their way around a computer, the best person you could find and trust. So they could access all these accounts when you pass. It's probably harder to settle the digital footprint you have than it does your regular your regular will. And anybody out there who had to deal with this, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so I would get on that right away. And you know what? If nothing else, you're going to discover things about your own spending habits and, and your subscriptions and, you know, where your footprint is out there. What do people know about you? Now, uh, if, you, if you're getting Social Security right now, you're going to get a big fat increase starting in January. I don't know the exact number right yet, but I could pretty much estimate it. Uh, and it's going to be bigger than last year. Last year it was 5.9%. This year it may be as high as 9%. Now, last year you got 5.9%. The inflation rate is 9.1% right now. So even though that extra money, and part of it went towards Medicare Part B, uh, that extra money was not enough to keep up with inflation. So the cost of living adjustment was too small, even at 5.9%. Now, compared to the the years in the previous decade, you know, too, uh, that seems huge. But we had very low inflation back then. So be careful what you wish for. The one good thing about cost of living adjustments is they never go down. So if inflation or when inflation starts moderating, that 9% increase you get next year, it will always be there because they can never take it away from you. But in real terms, you know, when you take inflation into consideration, you know, the 5.9% increase um, still meant that purchasing power of the average Social Security check is 97% about whatever it was a year ago. Now, a 3% reduction, you know, might not sound disastrous, but, you know, many people are heavily dependent on Social Security. 37% of men and 42% of women receive 50% or more of their income from Social Security when they retire. Um, Among elderly beneficiaries, 12% of men and 50% of women rely on Social Security for 90% of their income. So for these people, every penny counts. And I feel so bad for these people, you know, that living off Social Security and meager savings. Uh, I really feel bad. Uh, I see them in a grocery store, you know, shopping uh, as competitively as they can, picking things up, putting them back, uh, calculating, you know, how much everything's costing. Because many people get in sticker shock. You know, you, you fill up half a cart, and it's 150 bucks. You're like, I didn't expect it to be that high. I only expected to spend 100 bucks in here. So a lot of people are calculating it as they go. And then they're putting things back because they can only afford so much. I feel so bad for these people. I really, I want to just come in here and buy it for them. No, no, take that out. 
So we got food inflation higher than even the regular inflation rate. You know, food inflation is is, is officially 10.4%. I guess it's probably higher than that. Uh, but there's some good things about inflation when it comes to Social Security recipients. If you took Social Security at 62 or any any year prior to your full retirement age, which in most cases now is 66 or 67, you're limited to how much income you can make without before you have to start giving back Social Security. That's one of the quirks in the Social Security system. I mean, you could take it early, but there's a lot of restrictions. A, you're going to get 25% less than if you wait to full retirement age. But also, you can't go out and get a job and collect Social Security at the same time and make more than what's about 19000 right now. Because if you go over 19000 for every $2 you earn over that, you have to give back $1 at Social Security. But once you hit full retirement age, that restriction no longer is in force, so you can make as much as you want. And that's why a lot of people who are working don't take Social Security until they're at full retirement age because they're going to give most of it back or at least half. Um, but because this number of 19000 is adjusted for inflation every year, it's going to go up. It's going to go up roughly 10%. So it's going to go over $20,000. So people who uh, maybe are part-time workers or have a low-income job uh, and don't make much more than $20,000, $25,000, $25, it may make sense to take Social Security earlier, especially if you're so tight that it will make a big difference to you. So that's one of the positives that we see. Now, what are the negatives here? Well, the Social Security system itself, let's face it, you know, it went up almost 6% last year, the payments. It's going to go up 9%, let's say, this year. So in two years, the amount of money that Social Security recipients are getting from the system is 14% higher. And if inflation persists another year, it's going to go up even more. You could have a three-year period where inflation is up 20 to 25%. And cost of living adjustments uh, on a Social Security system goes up that much. Couple that with 10,000 people a day net entering Social Security, you got a big problem for the system itself. I mean, before these cost of living adjustments, uh, this one coming up anyway, uh, the depletion date for Social Security is going to be 2034. And supposedly everybody's payout is going to be based on whatever payroll taxes come in at that time, uh, which is expected to be 77 cents on the dollar. So, uh, you know, are you ready to take a 30 percent pay cut on your Social Security? Uh, Hopefully not. Especially if uh, the, the millions of Americans that are heavily dependent on it. So this is a bad thing. And let's face it, if this calculation of 2034 was based not based on these cost of living adjustments, obviously we're going to run out of money sooner if we're paying out more. So it's a big problem for Social Security. So what does Social Security do? Well, they got to do something. Maybe raise the full retirement age. Currently now, for me, it's 67. That was raised uh, in 1983. When the average American lived to 74.6 years, life expectancy now is 79 years, a little more for women. So since we're living longer, we're taking Social Security longer. 
And many Americans now live until they're 90. So if they take it at 62 and they live to be 92, that's 30 years. So Congress, you know, they can't do it drastically, but they could do it over the course of years, maybe one month per year. By 2034, you'd have to be 68. By 2046, you'd have to be 69. This would help ease strain on the system a little bit. How about raising the minimum eligibility age? I mean, it's been 62 for a long time. Now, again, does it make sense to take it early? Well, in most cases, no, because you're getting 25% less than you get at full retirement age. But still, a lot of people do. They could lift the retirement age, so like, say, by 2034, it's 63, 64, or something like that. Again, people are living longer, so why not start later? Another thing that they may consider doing is lifting the cap on payroll taxes. Right now, after you earn 147000 there's no more Social Security tax taken out of your pay. Now, that's been going up steadily. It goes up with the inflation rate. So with inflation being what it is, this is going to go up to like almost 160000 next year. That's a tax increase because of inflation. Imagine that. You get a tax increase while inflation rages. So uh, I guess with inflation, that's going to mean more taxes coming into Social Security, at least from this method. Um, but some are saying that, well, you know, maybe once you go over 400000 it should kick in again. Some people are saying there should be no limit to how much you make and pay Social Security. Um, but these are all, you know, Social Security has always been what they call it, the third rail of politics. You know, you can't really talk about it because it's political death. If you talk about cutting it, if you talk about uh, raising retirement age, and, and, uh, uh, people go crazy, especially uh, the older people who vote. And as more and more Americans move into um, retirement, we're going to have a bigger, bigger demographic of retired people and retired voters. And retired people vote. And I guess we can guess for a number of reasons. A, they have the time. They're off. Many live in retirement communities, so they just go to their clubhouse, and it's more of a social event than anything, so they get out and vote. Number two, older people are more engaged with the country and the future of the country, or younger people are doing their thing. So as the demographic gets bigger, older people are going to have more political power as far as voting and putting people into office and getting certain priorities uh, through uh, Congress and so forth. And you know one of those priorities is going to be protection of Social Security. And especially once they're getting it, then they could have everybody else who's younger than them say, well, you're not getting it until later because you've got to preserve mine. Uh, so something to keep an eye on, the political power of the retired and elderly in the American uh, system as uh, more and more people, baby boomers, enter 
retirement. All right, top of the hour, 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name's Luce Katignan. Don't go away. time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, just stumbling on our program. Maybe you're driving down the parkway and just uh, channel surfing, came upon our program. Maybe you're on the way to the beach or uh, just getting up or just getting out of church. Um... Welcome to The Financial Physician. Uh, You missed the first hour. Uh, No problem. Uh, The first hour will be available to you. At 8 o'clock, we have the show, the full two-hour program, up at thefinancialphysician.com. So uh, no need to miss a minute of our program. Um, The podcast uh, has been doing fantastically well. We're the number one finance podcast at Podomatic. We're available at Apple um, Podcasts, we're at Spotify, we're at Google Podcasts, so uh, easy to find me. Uh, but just go to the um, financialphysician.com is the easiest way uh, because we have our blog there, we have our videos that we put up there, uh, we have all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, and uh, give us your email. Uh, if you give us your email, you'll be notified whenever I put up a, a YouTube video uh, or a podcast, uh, you'll get a quick email and the link to it. Uh, very, very simple and easy. You don't even have to go to my website. I bring you right to the Podomatic um, uh, program. Uh, and so many of you do listen to Podomatic. Now, also, uh, appreciate you sharing it. Uh, there's things we talk about on this program that you're not going to hear elsewhere and uh, share with your friends and family. And that's how, how we grow. If you go to my YouTube channel, see a video, please subscribe uh, and uh Hit the bell for notifications so you know when we're going to put up a new video. We're going to do a lot of changes. Uh, we'll talk, start talking about it next week with the podcast. May do a midweek podcast and um, got a lot of plans for the YouTube channel and the podcast. So tune in next week. We'll go over it. We'll go over it then. All right. The phone number here is 732-237-9626. If you want to be part of the program, you got a financial question or a comment on anything we talk about here, always welcome uh, your phone calls. Uh, now... I was talking to Paul uh, during the break, and I said, you know, that I think it's so important, that digital estate plan thing that we just went over. I've never really gone over this in all the years I've done the program. And, you know, I just stumbled upon an article about that, and I was like, you know, this is really important. Uh, and also some of my experiences uh, as an executor uh, settling people's estates and dealing with my clients who are going through it. Uh, I just realized what an important thing it is. And, and Paul said that him and his wife keep a book with all their accounts, all their online accounts and passwords and everything. Uh, she has the front part of the book, he has the back. And that's really important because, you know, I don't know my spouse's sign-ins and everything. Uh, uh, so it's good that, you know, God forbid one of you die, at least the other surviving spouse knows how to deal with the digital uh, accounts of their sp- uh, spouse that uh, passed away. So uh, I thought that was smart, uh, and uh, I wanted to share that with you. 
Now, uh, this week, in, in a very reckless move, uh, Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan. Um, and there's a lot of debate whether or not she should have gone. Now, look, once, um, once she said she was going to go and China started blustering that she can't, she had to go. I mean, you can't have China telling, you know, our people where they can and cannot go. But she, she has said she was going to go in the first place at this time. Uh, I think the result of that visit uh, will answer that question. Uh, but it doesn't look very good right now. Um, and why? Why did she go to Taiwan? That's the question we don't have any answer to. Uh, especially at this time, you know, when things are so volatile in the world, let alone between the Chinese and Taiwan and, and, and America. So I thought it was incredibly reckless, self-serving. Uh, and what did the Chinese do? Well, they have Taiwan surrounded now. They've launched ballistic missiles over Taiwan towards Japan, totally destabilizing the entire area. Now, Pelosi's trip uh, gave the Pentagon the opportunity through the spokesman John Kirby, another liar in the administration. He uh, uttered this uh, sentence that they say all the time, we do not support Taiwan independence. Some people are saying, well, the administration is using Pelosi's trip as an excuse to offer another gift to the Chinese Communist Party by saying out loud those exact words. They demand, we say. Uh, but I don't know why provoking them at this time with this unnecessary trip, uh, it just doesn't make any sense. So uh, what happens next? Well, China has to save face, so they I don't think they're done doing what they're going to do there. Um, now, ultimately, I think Chinese are probably planning to invade Taiwan fairly soon anyway, but I think this is going to accelerate that. And I think war with China is coming. It's just a matter of time. So what would that kind of uh, war look like to us, and what will it do to our economy? Well, hopefully you don't take any drugs, because that'll stop almost immediately. First of all, we go to war with China. I mean, all trade's going to stop immediately. That's the first thing that'll happen. They'll starve us to death. They'll 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 destroy our economy. They'll dump our tre- treasury bonds. Chinese firms are said to supply more than 90 per- 90% of US antibiotics. 70% of acetaminophen, which is Tylenol. Almost half of the anticoagulant heparin. So uh, these are all the basic, and, and all other drugs, generics and everything else, they supply 70%, 75% of the basic building blocks of generics that other Western countries use to make antibiotics and stuff like that. The food industry would be completely turned upside down. You know, it's almost impossible to have a diet with foods that were not produced in China. I was surprised to read this. Products such as chips and garlic are produced in China. Spices and herbs such as ginger and garlic are grown in China and exported to foreign markets. Chinese factories make vegetarian meat products, which 
you, they can keep them for all I care. Uh, many canned foods on the market we have uh, now are manufactured in China. The ability to produce our own food would be greatly affected because China produces so much of our farm machinery, so we wouldn't be able to get tractors. Farm machinery, farm machinery such as tractors, egg incubators, and harvesters are manufactured in China. China's chainsaws, wood chippers, and shredders are also produced in the country. Elevators and bulldozers are also assembled in China. How could we have ever become so dependent on China? I mean, this is crazy. This is craziness. And we've seen what happened with the supply chains due to COVID when they shut down entire areas in China. And we're still seeing it. This is a major national security threat. And I've been saying it for years. The Chinese produce a lot of our clothing. 70% of our shoes come from China. We're going to be walking around barefoot. You know, I don't think we make shoes in America anymore. I don't think we make a shoe. It comes from Asia. So the moment we go to war with China, the flow of cheap goods from China completely stops. You want to talk about an inflation problem. How about if China invades Taiwan? Taiwan makes 66% of the computer chips in the world. So now all of our technology starts breaking down, including our defense system. And without proper drugs, our healthcare system completely collapses. You don't mess around. You don't set yourself up to be so dependent on somebody, something, and then poke them in the eye. That's crazy. And that's exactly what this trip by Pelosi did. Not only would our economy come to a crashing halt, the global economy would come to a crashing halt. And I'm not just talking about a recession or a depression. I'm talking about an economic collapse that we've never seen before in the world. That's why it's so horrific and so horrifying to see Nancy Pelosi go there and cause this unnecessary thing and to do this just before the um, midterm election uh, the stakes are so incredibly high and I just didn't see what the positive of it is now if Chinese don't do anything more than they've already done it's, it's going to be a big victory for Pelosi in the United States but there's no way President Xi is going to allow that to happen And what he does next could change everything. So we have to really keep an eye on this. So uh, this is serious stuff. Uh, Can you imagine that not getting life-saving drugs? I mean, I was worried about that during COVID because of the supply chain issues and China being shut down and all that. But they could just do it on purpose. I mean, they could just say, no, no, no drugs for you. No antibiotics for the United States. In a time of pandemic, where antibiotics kind of come in handy, <laughs> it's like it's like nuts. Uh, we should never be allowed allow ourselves ever to be so dependent on other countries, and it was self inflicted. It's just amazing, all for profits, right? Well, if we can get slave labor in China and pay, pay them $2 an hour versus paying an American 25 we're going to ship our manufacturing to China. 
even though they're our enemy and at any time could just take our plants, shut down exports of everything. Sure, yeah, they'll be paying for China, but they, they, they'll go through pain. They have no problem putting their people through pain. And it seems more and more the Biden administration has no problem putting the Americans in as much pain as possible. As long as we get those, we get those uh, electric vehicles going. I'm telling you, forget Russia. China is the issue. And um, inflation is, is, is going to be a big deal. Oh, did you hear Pelosi? I mean, I don't know who has the worst mental capacity right now. Is it Biden? Is it Pelosi? Is it Harris? You hear what she said about digging a hole in China yesterday? <laughs> it's... it's it, it's this is so this is a woman who wants to be president, third most powerful person in the country behind Harris and Biden. This is what she said about um, connecting with China. A little girl, I was told at the beach, if I dug a hole deep enough, we would reach China. So we've always dealt a con- connection there. So, <laughs> I mean, she said this at the podium. Uh, that's her connection to China. And she was serious about it. She had no smile on her face. All right, so last night, Senate Democrats advanced Biden's massive taxes spend bill dubbed the Inflation Reduction Act, which is the most silly thing I've ever heard of in my life. So Build Back Better wasn't working. So now they did a little bit less than the Build Back Better and just call it something like Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah, that's the ticket. They'll believe that one. That'll be more palatable, right? We'll spend hundreds of billions of dollars, and that'll bring inflation down. We'll print that money. So uh, it was a 50-50 vote to start debate on this. Kamala Harris cast the tie-breaking vote. Of course, it went on party lines. Democrats always stay together. You see how they got to Mansion and they got to cinema. I knew that was going to happen. I said it on this program. I said, get out of here. They'll get to them. They'll threaten their kids. These people are ruthless. Do you have any idea? Whether you're a Supreme Court justice, whether you're a Democratic senator, they will come after you. That's what the left in this country does. They'll do it through the media and they'll do it through other nefarious channels to influence you. And obviously they got to Manchin and then they got to cinema. After they said they weren't going to do this. Um, so they're going to do $400 billion in spending and they're going to raise taxes by $700 billion. And, uh, oh, and they're going to double the size of the IRS so they can come after you to get the money to pay for this. So uh, the, the details are starting to come out on this and they're not, it's the biggest swindle we've ever seen. Uh, the bill will, uh, analysis actually said the bill will actually raise inflation at least the first couple of years, which is just what we need, right? Now they're saying, well, we're going to get Medicaid, uh, Medicare to, you know, we're going to get lower prescription drug costs for seniors and so forth. Yeah. Okay. Let's see it. It's going to add 80,000 IRS agents to beef up audits and shower hundreds of billions of dollars on democratic green new deal stuff 
They got their Green New Deal. All this money will go to boondoggle programs run by liberal friends of the Democratic Party. Now, uh, and by the way, people who make less than $200,000 a year are going to pay higher taxes, even though they say it's not true. What do you think? When you, when you raise taxes on corporations, it doesn't hurt the corporations. The corporations just collect the taxes from you. They're going to raise the prices. You're going to pay those taxes in higher prices for everything. So this uh, Inflation Reduction Act is actually um, the Omicron variant of the Build Back Better bill. It's still infectious. It's still horrible. It's going to cause low-income and middle-income people to pay more money. And, you know, it seems that uh, Manchin fell for one of the oldest political tricks in the political racket. Uh, You know, they give you vague and unenforceable promises. And the responsibility of fulfilling those promises uh, fall on officials like Biden and his radical energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm. They have no incentive, interest or inclination to do what Manchin wants. You know what? He burned his credibility with his voters. I don't know what they've threatened him with, but it must have been something pretty serious for him to back off. Now, 230 economists, 230 economists uh, wrote a a letter uh, to uh, uh, Chuck Schumer, I believe, and uh, letter to Congress warning the Inflation Reduction Act will make inflation worse. A letter sent to House and Senate leadership from 230 economists argues that the Inflation Reduction Act is expected to contribute to skyrocketing inflation and will burden the U.S. economy, contrary to President Biden and Democrats' claims. The economists wrote, the U.S. economy is at a dangerous crossroads and that an inaptly named Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 would do nothing of the sort and instead would perpetuate the same fiscal policy errors that have helped perpetu- uh, precipitate the current troubling economic climate. They said the $433 billion in proposed government spending would create immediate inflationary pressures by boosting demand while the supply-side tax hikes would constrain supply by discouraging investment and draining the private sector of much-needed resources. So now it goes on for debate. We'll see. Maybe maybe when it comes time to vote, Manchin will back out and say, you know what, I can't vote for this. So uh, what did uh, leadership in Congress, Democratic leadership, say about uh, these 230 economists that come out and say, hey, wait a second, you guys, <laughs> this is not, this is going to cause inflation. This is Chuck Schumer. Senator, um, 230 economists wrote letters to Congress saying that Inflation reduction act would actually add to inflation. Ted Wharton's budget model said the same thing. If there's a chance that these people are right, is now the right time to do this considering how high inflation is? All right, they're wrong. 230 economists are wrong. They don't say that about uh, certain doctors and Dr. Fauci and the FDA when they're trying to push the vaccines, experimental poison on you. Uh, oh, you've got to follow the science. How about the economic science of 230? Economists. All right, seven three two two three seven nine six two six is our call number. Crazy stuff. Let's go to Bill in Point Pleasant. Not Bill, uh, Tony in Seaside Park. Uh, hi, Tony. How are you? Good morning, Lou, and thank you again as always for taking my call. 
you by far are one of the best on radios. And my wife and I love listening to you on Sunday morning. But my comment is this, is that everyone says that Pelosi had to go to China because we can't let China tell us what we can do. But isn't it odd how we tell the rest of the world what to do and human rights and climate and we do this and Iran, you can't do that. How come it's okay for us to tell everyone else what to do, but no one can tell us what to do? Because uh, we're the big bully on the block, and we could tell anybody what to do because we could back it up. Uh, but you can't, you know, if uh, China uh, is not uh, to be bullied uh, in many ways. Uh, I-, I read this weekend that Pentagon has run some war games uh, with war with China, and we lose every time. Uh, so that's not a good road to go down. Uh, yeah, we're not going to allow, we can't allow uh, Vietnam to tell us what to do, uh, nor should we allow China to tell us what to do. But it's a little different variant there, uh, uh, whereas China has, uh, uh, you know, pretty big fists. Uh, and they could, as I mentioned just before, you want your pharmacy to close because we have no drugs? <laughs> they could do that to us. So you don't poke a bear, you know, that, that could do that to you. We set ourselves up for impotence with China by, by putting our entire economy and national security and healthcare system and defense system uh, and technology system at risk by bringing all the production to their country. And, and uh, that was a colossal mistake. And uh, hopefully uh, um, that could be reversed over time. But, you know, uh, we've, we finally found our, our match in the world and uh they've done it quietly they've done it slowly they've stolen all our technology they've infiltrated our media they've infiltrated our education system uh they've even introduced infiltrated our 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 congress uh and uh it's um it it, it's uh they've got the upper hand right now last thing the united states needs is a war with a nuclear superpower around the world that provides us with our entire uh, supply chain. Uh, the, the, you want to talk about who's going to pay the pain for that? It's not going to be them. It's going to be us. No. There was no reason for her to go. I, I don't see any reason that she needed to go there. For oh, no, but what, once she said she was going and they told her not to, she had to go. I mean, I, I wouldn't want her to back down at that point. But it didn't need to happen because she didn't need to say she was going. Right. Uh, that 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 was the mistake. Once she said she was going, she had to go. Uh, and thankfully, she wasn't shot down. Yes. Although I wouldn't have missed her, but uh, the, the 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 follow up to that wouldn't be good. Uh, but right. uh, but uh, I wouldn't have missed her. Uh, uh, I wouldn't have shed any tears. But uh, uh, the pain that would have followed if that happened, uh, we wouldn't want to have happen. That would have been you're talking World War Three. Um, so. Right. Uh, thankfully, nothing happened in that. But still, like I said, China's surrounded Taiwan right now. They're shooting ballistic missiles over the island for the first time. Uh, and they are getting, they're doing live action stuff. And uh, uh, the Taiwanese are preparing for war. They know what's happening. It's going to happen. Yep. They just don't know when. Um, uh, and uh, what are we going to do about it? Well, you remember when uh, Biden was asked that, he said that we would militarily intervene uh, then the pentagon had to walk it back and everything else so uh you know we don't have the leadership right now in uh america uh to handle uh a shooting conflict with china we don't have the the, the leadership 
from the top down. We don't have it in, in, in the State Department. We don't have it in the presidency, the vice presidency. We don't have it in Congress. We just don't have it. Uh, we have a, a military now that's more concerned about gender issues uh, and CRT uh, than they are in defending America. So, Thank you as taking my call. You yeah. are the best. All right, Tony, Good thanks. Man. Appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. 732-237-9626. Let's go to Bill in Point Pleasant. Bill, how are you? Hi, Hi. Lou, you? Hi, Bill. How you doing? Good. Hey, um, this thing with this Brittany Grinder, she's, this This bothers the hell out of me. Hold on a minute. I got to trip my arm off. Um, and, and, you know, she she badmouths the, the United States, doesn't want to, you know, takes a knee for the national anthem and doesn't even want the anthem played at their sports. And then she's worried, begging the president to come and get her. Yeah, it's kind of uh, kind of uh, satisfying to me to see that. Uh, yeah, now you want the United States. Now you love the United States. And, yeah, and, right. the, and the problem is, is Biden's going to do whatever it takes to get her back. And one of the things that the Russians want is uh, an arms dealer responsible for, for selling billions of dollars of illegal arms around the world. And we get back a basketball player who hates America. Uh, yeah. uh, just like uh, when Obama released all these terrorists from Guantanamo for us to get back uh, that one soldier who went AWOL yeah. uh, with the Taliban. I mean, you know, we, we don't know how to negotiate in this country. I guarantee you Donald Trump wouldn't make that deal. Uh Look, I think I, I think regardless of what she's done in the past, as an American, I think we should do everything we can to get her back to America as opposed to rotting in a jail in Russia because she had some marijuana in her, in her suitcase. Regardless of her past behavior. That, that As Americans, we have to do that. We can't allow other countries on, on pretty bogus charges just to get back at our country to, to, uh, uh, to incarcerate them or worse. And, you know, we've done that. With China, we've done that with the Taliban. We've done that with Iran. We've always made these kind of exchanges, but they've never been fair. You know, we've always given them more than we get. All right? Absolutely. Let's give a, let, let's let's grab one of their basketball players and uh, give them back their basketball players. That's an even swap. Yeah, they're they're not bad mouthing their own country like her. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, I understand where you're coming from, Bill, and, and I have that same feeling too. Uh, but it is. Uh, um, uh, you know, she's been in jail for quite some time now. Maybe she, uh, once she comes back after a deal, will rethink her ways as far as the national anthem goes and loving our country. Maybe that's what it would take uh, for her to have an epiphany uh, that um, <laughs> that uh, America is maybe not a bad place after all. I, I, I don't know because the, you know the all these celebrities. They all, when Trump was going, oh, if Trump gets in, we're going to leave the country. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm from Canada. None of them, pardon me, you know, whatever. None of them moved. Right. Uh, you know, they should move. I'd, and, and the nine years wouldn't bother me if, uh, you know, I wouldn't lose any tears over it either. No, no, me neither. But, you know, like I said, you, you have to, uh, you know, we're Americans first, regardless. And uh, I don't want an American you know, sitting uh, in in the Russian gulag, uh, especially on trumped-up charges. I mean, look, you know, she did have the marijuana, apparently, in the thing, but does she deserve nine years in prison uh, uh, in Russia for it? Of course not. Uh, and here, she would have been out the same day. 
<laughs> well, in many states it's legal. Uh, but uh, uh, but they're trying to uh, give the United States a black eye. That, that's why they're being so forceful with her. Uh, is it's poking us and uh, and uh, you know Biden will give the store away. Uh, you you watch watch the deal that's made. Who 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 we swap her for? Uh, and it, it was even mentioned yesterday. You know that this is probably going to happen. That there's there's talks underway. And again, uh, it'll be disproportional. Uh, but she'll get out of there. She ain't spending nine years there. That's for sure. All right, Bill. Uh, thanks for the call. Okay, All right. Um, 732-237-9626 is our call. Here's a headline that's kind of distressing. America shift food shopping to dollar stores as a desperate strategy before mass as, – as their last desperate strategy before mass famine and revolt. Wow. This is from Natural News. Uh, all by design, America is plunging into destitution, bankruptcy, and mass famine. Along the path to that outcome, the American people are rapidly shifting grocery purchasing away from conventional grocery stores to discount dollar stores, where heavily processed, shelf-stable, and frozen food items can be purchased for $1.25. Uh, he goes on to say, imagine the food safety shortcuts and lack of quality control for a $1.25 frozen pizza that's sold in a dollar store. For many Americans, dollar stores are the last step on the path to famine. Um, very, very scary. Again, we said 61% of Americans are leaving paycheck to paycheck. They have zero savings. And there's no buffer right now as prices go up. Grocery sales at, at discount stores like dollar stores spiked 71% between October 2021 and June 2022. That's a huge spike in people buying food in dollar stores. Meanwhile, retail sales of food items at Walmart, Costco, Sam's Club, and even Amazon.com are dropping. Thanks to food and fuel inflation. Just Joe Biden's gift to America. People who could once afford to shop at a regular grocery store are now being forced into dollar stores where food options are um, bleak. Uh, just uh, unbelievable. <laughs> Did you hear this? The New York Times is pushing cannibalism. They're even talking about it. They're not really. It, it's kind of like a clickbait thing where uh, they had an article about that we're seeing a lot of articles and books come out where the theme is about cannibalism and TV shows and things like that. And and typically when people do that, it's called, uh, what do they call it? It's uh, programming. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, I forgot the name of it. But, it's it, you know, things that happen now you've seen in, in movies and shows in the past. Predictive programming, right, that they finally soften you up to some of these things, right? Uh, so if we're going to starve to death, we might as well eat each other um, uh, for that. Uh, so the New York Times, you know, decided, and, and what they said was that um, uh, the time is now. Maybe the time is now for cannibalism. Um, Canada is now pushing books to normalize euthanasia in children and elderly. Uh, there's also uh, um, people out there promoting the recycling of dead human bodies into fertilizer via alkaline hydrolysis, hydrolysis combined with bio-sludge application on food forms. 
So this means dead people are flushed into the sewage system where their flesh goo is blended with bio sludge and trucked out to the countryside to be used as fertilizer. Because we can't get fertilizer from Russia. <laughs> this is crazy. Remember Soylent Green? You're old enough to know Soylent Green. Soylent Green, for those of you who are old enough, was a movie out about these green pellets that people were eating because it was food shortages, from what I remember of it. And it turns out it was actually people <laughs> that were being recycled. I guess protein is protein. So, um, I don't know. Uh, it, it, it brings me back to uh, talk about predictive programming. Remember this? A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Yes, it's the silence of the lambs. Hannibal Lecter uh, will eat the liver of the... Um, uh, oh, you remember you remember uh, the Twilight Zone, the original Twilight Zone. Rod Serling, nineteen fifty six, I think, to nineteen sixty four. And what was one of the famous, most famous ones there? You remember when the aliens came and uh, they landed, and they were doing everything to eliminate disease on Earth and giving us technology, and 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 everybody was. Um, excited about them because it was so benevolent and you know somebody found one of their manuals and it was called to serve man and you know to serve man that's what they were doing right and then they find out it was really a cookbook you remember that one i i got the clip here uh here it is here it is remember this chambers don't get on that ship the rest of the book to serve man it's a cookbook So they drag them up and uh, they say, don't lose any weight here. We want to, you know, kind of fatten you up. Funny. In response to this cannibalism, cannibalism stuff, um, uh, there was a pretty funny, uh, people on, you know, people on um, Twitter, they're amazing. Uh, they come up with some pretty funny stuff. Uh, one person came out and said that, um, he goes, uh, a cannibalist family uh, invited me over for dinner one day, and I was late, so I got the cold shoulder. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anybody? Yeah, all right. So we're going to result to cannibalism. What's next? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. Um, we didn't take a break yet in this hour, did we, Paul? Let's take a break. 732 is the call number. My name's Lou Skatigna. Don't you go away. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Skatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments, and host of The Financial Position. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss 
discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member FINRA and SIPC. Registered advisory services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Lou Skatigna. All right, we're in a home stretch of our two-hour program, The Financial Physician. We get together each and every Sunday, 6 to 8 here on 92.7 WBM, and anytime at thefinancialphysician.com where the podcast is, just stumbling upon, just getting up. Uh, no worries. Uh, right after the program's over, Paul will upload the show, and um, and you can listen to the full Financial Physician. Parts of it, all of it, uh, however you want to navigate it, it's very navigable, navigatable, whatever that word is. Um, and go to thefinancialphysician.com. Love your emails, Lou, at thefinancialphysician.com. If you have a personal finance question or a topic you want me to talk about, here to help you. So just um, just send me a note at the financial Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. All right. So enough with the cameras and stuff. Uh, where else do I want to go here? Um, see, the Center for the, the United States declared now. Um, Monkeypox, a national health emergency. You know, we got 6,600 people with it. You know, and That's a big deal for them, but not 330 million people that we have to have a national emergency. We know how this is spread, and it could be stopped very easily. Uh, uh, and, uh, and by the way, also, uh, Biden has extended the COVID emergency through the midterms. What a surprise. Uh, so now what are they going to do? Uh, more fear, more more excuses for mail-in voting, more more reasons for voter fraud going into the midterms, uh, starting already in the primaries. Uh, anyway, so the Center for Disease Control and Prevention has issued guidelines instructing the public on how to mitigate the risk of transmitting monkeypox while engaging sexually with a partner. While touting the monkeypox vaccine, the CDC recommends anyone with monkeypox abstain from sex. Well, that would make sense because you know how you get it? Male-to-male sex, especially with multiple partners. Vaccination is an important tool in preventing the spread of monkeypox, but given the current limited supply of vaccine, consider temporarily changing some behaviors that may increase your risk for being exposed. These temporary changes will help slow the spread of monkeypox until vaccine supply is adequate. The federal agency states that it's in its August 5th guidance, if you or a partner has monkeypox, the best way to protect yourself and others is to avoid sex of any kind, oral, anal, and vaginal, 
and do not kiss or touch each other's bodies while you're sick, especially any rash. Do not share things like towels, fetish gear, sex toys, and toothbrushes. Masturbate together at a distance of at least six feet without touching each other and without touching any rash. So remember, Paul, when you're masturbating later, make sure you're at least six feet away from your partner. Uh... This is a this is crazy stuff. Just abstain while you're sick and just get better. Oh my god. Is um uh, I don't even want to say this. If the rash is confined to the genitals or anus, condoms may help. However, condoms alone are likely not enough to prevent monkeypox. Why not just abstain? Stay away. Don't have multiple promiscuous Gay sex, if that's how it spread. Just like HIV, right? I mean, when that spread, it it wasn't hard. You can't catch it from somebody breathing on you. Just don't behave like that. So more evidence that the Democrats are planning again for um, massive voter fraud in the midterms. I, they're going to need it uh, because nobody's going to vote for them. So they're going to have to manufacture uh, tons of votes to even do it. But uh, the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania, divided along partisan lines, upheld the state's 2019 mail-in voting law in a 5-2 decision on August 2nd, which means that the current mail-in balloting rules will probably remain in place for the upcoming November 8 elections for Congress and for state offices such as governor. The decision overturned a lower court ruling that it found the mail-in voting law ran afoul of Pennsylvania Constitution. But who cares if it runs afoul of the Pennsylvania Constitution because the Democrats are lawless. They don't care about constitutions. They care about winning in power. So all five Democratic justices supported the new ruling, regardless of its constitutionality or not. Both Republican justices dissented. This is what we have now. We don't have judges who judge based on the law. It's all political. Is it Obama appointed judge or is it a Trump appointed judge? Why should it matter? The judicial system in this country has crashed and burned. From the FBI, who refuses to to, to investigate or prosecute Democrats, who are persecuting people who protested outside the Capitol. By the way, if you protest the stolen election and the crime of uh, the biggest political crime ever in this country, you're the one who has to be investigated, not the crime itself of destroying our democracy through fraudulent voting. Voting is a fundamental right, and a right that we should ensure is accessible for all voters, the Democratic Governor Wolf said, of course, that's what they say all the time. How about dead people voting? Well, everybody's got to vote. <laughs> one vote, one corpse. Why are the Democrats so good at it? And the Republicans don't, don't do any of it, I don't think. I will continue to advocate for voting reforms that remove barriers and increase access to voting. Yeah, like taking 284,000 presidential votes and driving them from a truck from New York's Long Island to Pennsylvania in the middle of the night after they stopped counting votes. I'm telling you, it's just we've lost our country. Unbelievable. Since COVID vaccines were unleashed, athletes' deaths are up 1,700%. 
Eh, just, just a mere blip in increase. Never before have so many athletes dropped dead since early 2021 when the Wuhan coronavirus COVID-19 vaccines, quote-unquote, were first unleashed under Operation Warp Speed. According to the data, athlete deaths are up 1,700% compared to the monthly averages recorded since 1966. If things, if, if things continue in their current trajectory, the 2022 data will show upwards of 4,120% increase in athletes' deaths. This March alone, three times as many athletes died compared to the previous annual average. That increase shows no signs of slowing as the full impact of Fauci flu shots on public health is only just getting started. Unbelievable. And you don't hear people talk. All you do, I saw a video this week on YouTube, which was just a montage of athletes, referees, uh, basketball players, soccer players, just dropping dead or just dropping down to, to the floor out of nowhere. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. Young people are really being adversely affected by this vaccine, obviously. Unbelievable. Before the Fauci flu shots, only about 28 athletes per year died for no apparent reason. In 2021, there were at least 394 deaths. These are pretty shocking statistics. And I think they uh, prove beyond a, a shadow of a doubt that COVID injections are killing people at an astounding rate. Now, you would think these people who are athletic would have a greater resiliency than the average person. And now you have the new uh, new designation, SADS. What is SADS? Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. They don't tell you why. Uh, I just listened to a shocking, an audio of a shocking phone call between a pharmacist um, who administered a, a vaccine to this guy's son. And within days, the child declared, had a myocarditis. And the father recorded the call to the pharmacist. Listen to this. My wife, um, against my wishes, brought my son, seven-year-old son, in there yesterday, a few days ago, for a COVID jab, and he's now in the hospital with myocarditis. Um, and I was obviously not very happy with you guys or with my wife. Um, she told me that she was not told that was a potential side effect. So why wouldn't you have told her that? Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? 
this can happen. Now, my kid, so you know what the prognosis is? You know what it is? Possible death within five years. 20% of people with myocarditis die. It is a permanent damaged heart. It is not temporary. He's facing a heart transplant because of you. So that's sad. Uh, hopefully the audio is decent. Maybe you can get it. I, I know sometimes the audio is—it's hard. I just—I'm not high tech here. This comes right off my cell phone. I do the best I can. Some of you send me emails that oh, it's garbled. I couldn't hear it. You know, uh, I'm sorry about that, but it's the best we can do. Um, but here it is. You know, they're giving these kids. Why? Listen to me, people. Do not give your kids this, please. They have more chance of having adverse reactions and death from the shot than COVID any any time. It's just I can't believe these people will bring their kids in to take this. It's not FDA approved. It's the biggest trial in world history. Here's another headline. You hear these headlines all day. Grammy-winning engineer and My Chemical Romance producer Douglas McKean died unexpectedly at the age of 54. I mean, I could have a pile so high of these died unexpectedly, 53, 35. It's nuts. Unbelievable. Uh, I told you a food crisis is coming. Uh, the crisis is now here just due to the prices people are paying. Um, but here's a headline. Situation is really precarious. World's largest rice exporter faces output decline amid heat wave. I mean, worldwide, we're seeing weather conditions just destroying crops. Uh, uh, it's a perfect storm of everything. Uh, the next challenge for global food supply could be a plunge in rice production. Um, the world's largest rice exporter has seen planting areas of the crop decline by 13% due to heat waves and drought. India accounts for 40% of global rice trade. And a decline in production will complicate India's domestic inflation fight. It could result in export restrictions leading to few supplies for the rest of the world. Prices have soared 10% in the last two weeks in India. And prices should continue to, uh, to rise. Now, rice feeds half of the human race. Uh, and it's so vital. I mean, not necessarily here in the United States, but certainly in Asia. That is a big part of their diet. Uh, and it's vital for political and economic stability in Asia. Um, so you got that issue. We got you know we can go on and on with that. Baby formula crisis deepens as nationwide out of stock rate hits thirty uh, percent. So if you have a young child, you know what's going on there. Uh, let's see. We got a few minutes left. Here's a here's a woke political headline. 80-year-old woman is banned from the community pool. Why? For complaining about cross-dressing men watching little girls and dressed in the locker room. So she's the one who can't go to the pool. Are we living in Alice in Wonderland? It's really craziness. Everything's upside down. An 80-year-old woman was banned from using the YMCA community pool after complaining about a man dressed in a woman's swimsuit watching little girls undress in the locker room of a YMCA in Washington State. No, Washington State, that tells you a lot. The cross-dressing man also reportedly walked around the locker room naked or surrounded by young girls. 
After swimming at the YMCA's Mountain View Pool on July 26, as she has regularly done for 35 years, 80-year-old Julie Jamin headed to the locker room to shower. While bathing, she heard a man's voice. She turned around to find a biological male watching little girls as they were taking off their suits. She confronted Adams, an employee at the pool. He's also an employee. Of course he is, right? That's what a job you'd want to get, wouldn't it? There were gaps in the curtains where there I was, naked with soap and water on me, and this guy right there, very close to me, she explained. I asked, do you have a penis? He said, that's none of your business. That's when I told him, get out of here right now. So she then went and asked a female employee, the YMCA's aquatics manager, who was standing outside of the shower stall to get him out of here. In response, DeLuna lashed out at the 80-year-old woman and tried to have her arrested. You're discriminating and you can't use the pool anymore and I'm calling the police. B.S. Jarman shot back as the YMC staffers attempted to hold her captive in the building. I'm going to the police right now. I want help and I need it immediately. So later in the day, she receives a, a call from the CEO of the YMCA uh, informing her that she was banned from the pool forever. Man. This is craziness. This is where we've come, where she's going to be arrested and banned from the pool. Unbelievable. Wokeness, craziness, crazy insanity. I don't have much time for more insanity. Uh, let me see. Oh, the Biden and but Joe Biden is hell bent on helping women murder their unborn babies. That he's now planning in a new executive order to compel Health and Human Services to use Medicaid to pay for the expenses of women who are traveling to a pro-baby murder state to murder their unborn babies. So he signed an executive order directing the Department of Health and Human Services to consider using Medicaid to pay for expenses. So we're going to pay for flights, bus fare, and everything else for people who need to get abortions. Uh, By the way, uh, I thought that was something called the Hyde Amendment that prevented U.S. tax dollars from paying for abortions. But again, they don't care. Law doesn't mean anything to these people. They got the judiciary all lined up with these radical judges that they go to. They they rule by executive order. The heck what Congress laws are. Uh, the White House did not specifically say what costs Medicaid could potentially cover. Uh, saying it would cover certain costs and largely target lower income women. All right. More craziness, more craziness, more craziness. All right. Thanks so so much for joining us for our two-hour program. We get together each and every Sunday and every day at thefinancialphysician.com at the podcast. So if you missed any of the program, go to thefinancialphysician.com. The podcast is up right after the program. Uh, Share the podcast with your friends. Love your emails. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. My office number, if you want to come in for a complimentary consultation, 732-905-8100, 732-905-8100. Join me next Sunday and every Sunday for the next edition of The Financial Physician.